welcome to the second season of Words for Mort. In this first episode, we join Lene and Esther as they discuss faculty diversity, part two. And welcome back to the second season and the first episode of Words from Ward. I'm your host, Lene. And I'm Esther. And on this episode, we are back on the topic of faculty diversity. If you weren't tuned in last time, Esther, Francine, and I, Francine's not here today, did an episode on the state of faculty diversity here at Ward. And to our understanding, it definitely caused a bit of a stir amongst staff and students. So here we are for a take two, kind of hoping to rein it in and tie up some loose ends. First and foremost, we would like to apologize for some of the things that were said in the last faculty diversity episode. At the time, Francine, Lene, and I had never had the opportunity or were given the space to vent on the topic. Due to that, there are definitely some things said that we didn't necessarily mean and could have been articulated more tastefully. On that same note, that doesn't mean we'll be censoring ourselves this time around, but talking with everyone's feelings and opinions in mind and choosing our words a lot more carefully. And here with us today, we have a very special special guest. guest. I don't think you could ever guess who we have here today. Take some time. We'll give you a couple seconds. Guess. Conjure up in your brain. Who is here with us? Okay. Do you have your answer? Mr. Wetzel! Thank you guys for that very dramatic introduction. That was amazing. Yeah. No, glad to be here. Uh, really excited actually about this conversation. So happy to contribute for sure. Thank you so much for being here yeah. today. We love the so to kind of just hop right in, we wanted to ask for your thoughts and reactions to our first episode. We think a lot of people at Word are definitely wondering yeah. what the big man thought of it, oh, <laughs> where man. it went. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I re-listened to it this morning, um, which is great. I do these, like, uh, I get up really early and walk and exercise or whatever, and so I took the time this morning to listen to it again. Um, and I'm not going to lie to say that some of it struck pretty pretty close, and some of it hit a nerve in some days. Um Probably that's necessary, actually. Um, and we talked last year about maybe there's ways to have done things a little bit differently and um, to get some context about stuff. But the truth of the matter is, these conversations are going to be uncomfortable and we can't seek comfort, right? Those who seek comfort, you don't see change in that, right? So we need to be able to sit in that discomfort a little bit. We need to be able to then talk about it. Um, and then figure out what needs to change, what could change, um, at what level things have to change, all those sorts of things. So, sure. yeah. So, a little bit of it. I think, but also because I was a teacher here as well, um, it can be easy for an administrator to sort of separate themselves from certain day-to-day realities. Um, but I think because I had that history as well of, of sitting in those areas and and interacting on a daily basis, there was probably parts of that that were like, oh man, that that one stung for sure. Um, And obviously you can't speak on other staff's reactions to the episode, but we do know that there was a staff meeting where sort of their thoughts on the episode were discussed, discussed, you know, it was brought to light. So we wanted to know how that went Mm -hmm. um, and also what staff were saying. 
Yeah, I think it went well. I mean, the whole process, there was a process. There was a meeting for sure, um, but there was a process around that, right? There was uh, people talking for sure, talking to me, talking to other, you know, parts of the admin, talking to other staff members for sure, which is the end goal, right? That's the whole point is to have those conversations yeah. and to have that. Um, you know, there was concerns that came up about it, obviously, because, I mean, I think some people maybe thought that they there was a little bit too many specific references mm -hmm. that were really easy to figure out who <laughs> the people were talking about and that's that's problematic obviously right exactly. in 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 that and then there was there was some po uh, talk about well is there uh um like sometimes i think people think that it's the principal's job to vet everything that happens in the school. And mm -hmm. as uh, things like social media, podcasts, but things like social media, all that stuff, that's impossible to do now, right? I mean, there's just so many things that go on and in so many vehicles for that to go out. Um, and so I don't aspire to do that because that's, that's an exercise in futility. It's never going to work. Um, but I think the fact that there was conversation that people, and that was one of the, the things that was brought up, was says, well, we're all talking about it, so that's not a bad thing. I mean, yeah. it did uh, certainly to a point what was intended, right? As people were yeah. talking about it. Um, and, and people were going to feel uncomfortable about it. I think people are oftentimes also really worried about, and I think you guys mentioned it too, is people can get worried about the, the uh, reputation of a school. Mm -hmm. And that has a lot to do with a lot of other realities, right? That are very, very practical realities, right? Um, uh, student enrollment drives a lot of things, one of which is staffing, right? Like people's jobs are dependent upon student enrollment. And so people can con get concerned about, well, what if people think that, what are people thinking about Mary Ward when they hear, um, you know, some of the things that were said? And my only response to that is I think if people, if students, especially students your age, different, right? Your generation is so much different, probably because of social media, um, for its good and bad parts, um, you guys you, you guys digest media in a completely different way, and you're able to sort of see things. And really, I think what a lot of people your age are looking for is the ability to express, right? Yeah. Like, and and if the messaging is that Mary Ward is a place where you can express yourself, mm -hmm. then I'm fine with that message. And to your point, kind of what was intended, we had a really wonderful. An enriching conversation between the hosts and yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so what did that kind of look like for you? And from that conversation, what do we think are the steps moving forward? Yeah, well, I think in that conversation, I wanted to talk to you guys about, you know, some of the things that were brought up. And, and, and it's important to know, it's important to be uh, critical, mm -hmm. right, all the time, to think critically, to, to view things critically. Um, and that's an initial great step. But in doing that critical when you bring something up, to then learn about, okay, what is the realities of things and what can and cannot be changed. And so we talked about, one is about, you know, what are the hiring practices, you know, I mean, I was called out on that on that thing, right? On that <laughs> podcast, good for you guys. No, absolutely, that's fantastic, right? Is, hey, I'm the one who gets to decide who gets to teach here. And I say, who gets to teach here, right? It's a privilege mm -hmm. to teach here. And uh, um, uh, so some of the realities that come with that, um, and then I, I think there's a, a larger scope that we talked about as far as the generational realities of a school. Yeah. Um, 
and I think I think the way we put it was is that a student's generation is four years. And then a teacher's is 15 to 30 years. Yeah, it could be 15 to 30 years. So there's so many generations, and it and it's, the school changes drastically throughout those times, right? Um, especially in a place like Scarborough, where oh, yeah. there's different realities that are going in. There's different uh, immigration patterns that happen, mm -hmm. and that changes things. There's different housing patterns that happen. Um, and so there's a lot of... It's really hard to keep up with the... Um, Forever changing. Yeah. Right, and we talked about. I think we, we talked about you know my own experience as a student. I was a student at Pope John Paul, which is or what well, was called Pope John Paul then, it's Saint John Paul now, where I was just the principal of. And when I was a student there, from eighty seven, dear God, that was a long time ago. From eighty seven to ninety two, yeah. Well, the, if everyone in the podcast could see the looks that these two ladies just gave <laughs> when I said Sorry. when I said eighty seven to ninety two, um, but when I was a student there, even compared to um, my younger siblings who were 11 years younger than myself the 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 student body changed entirely mm -hmm. but a lot of the staff who taught me were still there when I was principal oh. so they were there for 30 35 years mm -hmm. and they can't change right they can't change they they can't they, they well sorry they <laughs> definitely should change they're going to change but their physical realities their representation or what they represent isn't going to change mm -hmm. um and then so the like the response is, well, what do we do? Do we move people to different parts of the city? I mean, that's like human rights violations and all these yeah. sorts of things. And so we talked about that a little bit. But then we also talked about some of the things that we need to do for yeah. sure. And 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 um and maybe there's some follow-up. And I have some follow-up about some some new regulations that I'm not thrilled with that I actually mm -hmm. wouldn't oh. mind talking about. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, um, yeah. and prior to recording, Linnea and, and I were actually talking about what you just said because last year, um, it was only our second year here at Mary Ward and only our first real normal year of high school. Mm. But even now this year, as grade 11s, we can definitely see how the student demographic is constantly changing because the demographic of grade 9s is completely different to that of what we have of the grade 12s. So we have more perspective of what you were speaking about at that time. Mm. And so we just want to say that we do know these things that we are aware of these things. And that's why things like staffing are definitely a more of a long-term goal. And that's mm -hmm. why right now we can focus on our short-term goals and what happens within the building with the people we currently have. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what you saw was is the, and, and the, the truth of the matter was is like for a couple of years of the pandemic, you don't really see people very much, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. There's all these Virtual students, like your grade nine year, there was three or four hundred, I think it was like four hundred some students here were virtual, so you didn't even see them, mm -hmm. right? And then in the next year, there were still virtual students. There were students who were hybrid, you know, virtual sometimes and at home. Lots of people were still walking around with masks on, so you don't even get to see. So as you, I think you've probably noticed that as you, it, you might have known somebody just with masks, and then they take their mask off, and you're like, I didn't think you looked like that. <laughs> and it's always interesting when, when it's a letdown, you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know? I mean, it even happens with teachers. In my yeah. mind's eye, I thought you looked different. I didn't know you had. I remember I, when I came here. There's some people, and I, and I was like, I didn't realize you didn't have. I didn't know you had facial hair. And then they took it off, and I was like, Oh, look at you! All right, there you go. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, so I can see what you're saying is now all of a sudden, everybody looks a little different, mm -hmm. right? Because of what it is. So, and, and that's where we talked about the idea of, of having some sort of perspective on what we see. And, and I think a lot of the comments that you guys made in, in that, and we talked about that too, was from an elementary perspective as well, right? Because I mean, I think somebody said that they'd never had a female principal. Yeah. And then I showed you the wall outside my office yeah. of principals of the school. Yeah, perspective. And they're all, I mean, 
since you know other than me there's been one in the last one male for one year in the last 25 years right, right. here at this school so I yeah yeah but i talked about the fact that ms mcgee is the first female principal in the history of st john paul ii high school wow so yeah. she's breaking ground there i was the 10th principal she's the 11th i was the 10th and we were all white males every single one and back to kind of the hiring process, right. is, um, representation and faculty diversity is something, is it something that you were always aware of or something you are now becoming more cognizant of? I think I was always aware of it a little bit, but it was, it's, it's a, a sensitive topic, or at least it was. I think it was much more of a sensitive topic, and I think that was a problem, is, you know, there was that old line that said, well, the most qualified person should get the job, mm-hmm. right? And I agree that the most qualified person should get the job, but... I think that one of those qualifications is representation. I think you can do a better job, all things being, other things being equal. I think you can do a better job if, and you can reach students in a different way if there's representation Definitely. there. Now that's coupled with, like, and if, if, the, if the realities of the job was I can hire anyone I want, then, then all that responsibility should land on me. And when diversity doesn't happen, that should be, you should be knocking on my door saying, why are you not doing that? That's not the truth of the way things are, right? There's different realities about that. Um, there's new regulations that I don't, I think they came from a place, and I can go into the details if you want, but um, from a place, a, a good thought to try to fix a problem, but I think it's led to another problem. And so for an example, for, for what's called LTOs, long-term occasional teachers, which are like the teachers who come in for a year for like maternity leave mm-hmm. and those sorts of things, um, it used to be a very convoluted process. It took a long time for teachers to get jobs. It would take a long time for me to fill a job. It could take weeks for me to fill a job, and classes would remain empty for weeks, right? Um, there's a new regulation that basically says that they would advertise these LTO jobs, and then people apply for them, and then HR takes their, their applications and looks to say who has the qualifications for the job, because there's specific qualifications for each subject, and and then would give me five, the top five names based on those qualifications and their seniority, how long they've been going. And then all I have to do is pick a name and I can take that person. The regulations say, in fact, I cannot interview them. I can just take their resume, they can upload resumes, uh, uh, work um, uh, assessments, they do, you know, we do appraisals of our teachers and stuff, um, but I can't, I can't interview them. And I had a real problem with that because how am I supposed to tell if they represent the, the student group, right? Last names don't necessarily indicate your, uh, if you're someone of racialization, right? They don't necessarily, you know, there's really good examples. One of our superintendents, last name is Peterson and you wouldn't know that he's racialized with that last name, but he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I brought that up to the board and they're kind of looking at, oh yeah, well, and how do we get around that? How do we exist within these regulations that, that exist? You cannot violate those regulations. Um, but I think, in a way, they were trying to streamline the process so it was faster, so that teachers could get in with students quicker. But I think in doing that, they stumbled mm-hmm. with this. And they mean this is a provincial thing. This is how this is this, this is a collectively bargained thing at the province. It, it's not our board or our school. Um, so now the board has to sort of look to that, and, and I gave that feedback, and a lot of principals were giving that feedback, like, wait a, se- wait a second, you're telling us representation matters, but we can't meet them. 
right? And so they're looking to see that. So uh, that's the way the regulation works now. For full-time teachers, for open positions, which means permanent teachers, um, I do interview, but again, it's based on their qualifications and their seniority, and I get three names, and then I have to pick from that three names. And I can't deviate from that. And right now, there isn't a mechanism to say that racialization or representation is a qualification at this point. Mm -hmm. Probably because, I mean, there's larger legal ramifications around like human rights and, and um, uh, you know, discrimination, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely the conversation about it for sure. Yeah, but that's my reality is it's the people who apply and the people whose names I get from HR is the only ones I can pick. And in certain situations, there's no one to pick who would be represent, rep representative. Now, when I have that choice, that's one of the qualifications that I take into consideration, is that they're representative of, and that's different in every school, yeah. right? And so that's, um, so there's certain levels of things that can be done. Right? We talked about that before too, was, um, or there's certain voices that need to be heard. So that voice of principals going to the board and saying, hey, like, uh, this makes representation really hard to do with this process. Mm -hmm. We need to refine our process so that a, a teacher candidate could declare, right? Like, is there a way to, in your application, declare if you are a, a, a racialized, a, from a racialized group? Is there a way to do that? Do that in a sensitive way, in a legal way? So they're investigating that for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think for 100%. Like, my question was is, does the regulation say that I don't have to interview or that I can't interview? Because, like, for instance, if, if a teacher who I know is perfect for the job, and, and when I mean perfect, part of that is that they are representative of my student body, I don't want to interview anybody else. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to waste the time. And that was the problem is I would have to, it would take days to interview all these people, right? And, and I knew I was going to take this one, but I'd have to go through this process, right? Um, and I think that's what they were trying to do was trying to get people in because there's a, there was a real problem with that. Mm -hmm. And it, but in doing so, they tripped up. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think really, or at least the execution of it hasn't gotten, gotten where it has to be yet. Okay. So, yeah. wish I had better news on that one. That would have been fun. And on the note of having conversations and this kind of reaching the board, mm -hmm. the board actually came to the school, which we were all a part of. And yeah. Esther kind of had something to say on that. So I remember it being around June or late May, and we had what was called, if I recall, the diversity walk. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were, uh, we being Lene Francine and I, were very, very excited about just having the opportunity and the fact that they came all the way over here. Um, so we talked, we walked around the whole, well, most of the school. Um, but there was one thing that I really noticed uh, that Francine, Lene and I talked about, which was the fact that it was all very surface level, which was pretty disappointing. I'm not saying that it was a bad diversity walk or that the people mm -hmm. don't know what they're doing, but the main coordinator of the walk, she was mainly asking questions about imagery around the building, about do you feel represented in imagery around the building, and do you like these posters, do you like these pictures? And while things like that are nice, that's kind of all they are, nice. Mm. Because 
diversity and what goes on in the building is so much more than posters that are often curated by the board for the kind of month it is, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it's like that does not have much impact on each school because each school is different, mm -hmm. you know? And each school's demographics are different and each school's staff are different and each school's inner workings are very, very different while each of these images are exactly the same. So I was a bit disappointed that we didn't get to talk about anything uh, more in depth, uh, which is why I hope that we'll be able to do that here and going forward. And hopefully uh, at the board level, I hope that they think about that uh, and more about talking to staff about how things are gone about in the building, whether it's problem solving or um, subject material, just making it more in depth and not about what is going on on the surface and how it looks because and I'm not talking about Mary Ward here when I say this but imagery can be beautiful but an institution can be terrible you mm -hmm. know so it's not about how it looks because nothing is picture perfect no absolutely and I think the, the intention of those walks as I understand it is to get kind of a, like a, a third party outside set of eyes and there is something to be like for the, the idea of the walk is really a starting point and the starting point is to sort of walk around and go, okay, what's obvious? And then what might you not even notice, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a good example of that is, is there's an elementary school um, that has a patron saint, was a Jean de Brébeuf. Um, and there's an image of Jean de Brébeuf because uh, he was one of the, the Jesuit priests who came over and was part of, and it was the idea of colon, uh, not colonizing, but teaching the natives and, and saving the indigenous people. And there was a very sort of interesting image that was part of the school forever and ever. Um, but they looked at it and they said, well, what, is that, what does that look like? And, and most, most people in the building, just, they, just go through, they just walk by it every single day. You don't even think about it. And, and so an, an outside set of eyes looks at it and says, oh, hey, have you ever thought about that? Mm -hmm. And I, I see where you're saying that it's surface. And maybe the intention is it to start with that and then start to drill down. So you start to look at it. I would hope that... Um, the energy is, and maybe we need to do it overtly, but the energy is that there, every walk you take is a diversity walk and that you're sort of always eyes open and going, eh, look at that. I wonder what that's all about or I wonder what that does. And, um, and then noticing other things like, uh, you know, uh, if you talk about like uh, ableism, right, and, and there, are there boundaries that are, are limiting someone who doesn't have the same physical abilities that I have and, um, and those sorts of things. So those... Those are good exercises to start, uh, but you're right. The marathon is the continued work yeah. that goes into it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and sometimes sometimes you're right. Like it's a lot of it's surface, but sometimes that surface is really telling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it's not so much of what you see, but maybe it's what you don't see. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where representation comes mm -hmm. from, or that might be where. Uh, opportunity comes from meaning, you know, you know, you walk around and you might say, well, if there's no uh, single-use, neutral, gender-neutral bathrooms, I don't see those here. What does that mean? Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a thing. I mean, one of those things was as we were reviewing our agenda for last year, yeah. going through it and saying, like the uniform policy, mm. there is a there was prior to this year a boys and a girl's uniform policy. Does that encompass everybody? 
And so if you notice that this year there is no boys or girls uniform policy. Mm -hmm. There's just, here's the uniform pieces. So for instance, the big difference was the kilt. Yeah. But now if you want to wear the kilt, you wear the kilt. Right? If you're going to wear the kilt, there's a way to wear it. <laughs> okay? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think then that was a conscious sort of, oh, look, something that's been there. Like that's a page that was just the same page forever. Yeah. Right? Like that was just, we're just going to keep pumping this one out. But that's where you look at those things that you just walk by every day and you're like, well, wait a second. That means something different now than it did than it did then. Mm -hmm. So that's something. Yeah. And kind of moving past that starting point, like kind of writing, coming back to the topic of faculty diversity, obviously a lot of the issues we're speaking about are well beyond us. Mm -hmm. So what do you think we can do here now, just in our everyday kind of behaviors? Well, I think one thing is to not be afraid to say stuff, mm -hmm. which is, you know, I think you guys have proven that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not worried about that. Um, uh, and then look for and create venues mm -hmm. to do that, right? Yeah. Constructively. Um, and so things like podcasts is great, right? That's one of those ways. But are there other ways to do that? Um, uh, and I think that's what we need to talk about more. Um, and then uh, have something to say, yeah. right? And so that means gathering what other people say. That means um, having suggestions for what could be done with it. That means if the reality is the staffing is beyond your control, mm -hmm. and even to a certain extent, even mine, yeah. mm -hmm. um, okay, with that in place, then uh, we have to address some realities here. Do we think that there is real severe, irreparable problems with how this school is run and how this school acts on a daily basis. Do we think that? I mean, I'm asking you guys. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Okay. Right. Okay, so that's a good... Okay, from that point, then there's not like... Because um, if there is, then, you know, I would have to do some things <laughs> and there would be some pretty severe things that have to happen. Okay. If we understand that to be the case, then with this given staff, who we all sort of acknowledge is... And you said it, right, are really uh, caring. And I think that was that I heard, listened to it again this morning, several times, right? Like, they're really caring, which is the best thing you can say about staff. It's better than saying that they're really well-educated. It's better than saying that they're uh, really knowledgeable about their craft. It's better than saying that they're really involved in all... That's the best thing you can say is that they care. Yeah. So given the fact that they care, then they're going to want to do what's best. Of course, and the sheer fact that they even took the time to listen to the episode and even had that staff meeting is really indicative of this care. Sure, yeah. right, and that's and so given that, then what could be done about well, it? Well, we had a conversation. Um, many things happened in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but what we talked about is some of the staff's reaction to certain scenarios and dealing with, you know, what are essentially children still. Right. This doesn't excuse bad behavior, of course, but certain reactions are definitely preventable. Uh -huh. And I think one of the major things we talked about was taking a step back and kind of critically analyzing the situation. Uh -huh. So how we critically analyze the situation, W5H, very simple. Mm -hmm. um, who am I doing this to? Why am I doing this to this person? Where is this happening? Is it like a busy environment? Am I around people? Mm -hmm. um, just taking that time to step back kind of to recollect yourself, gather your bearings, and then react in a way that's both nurturing, um, but not aggressive. 
mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is, I think, very important. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a great way of putting it, a W5H, and that speaks to being like a reflective practitioner, right, is mm-hmm. to say, I just don't show up and then do the job for the day and then go home and do the next, do the next day, right, is that, that differentiates, I've always said that differentiate, differentiates a professional from a laborer, mm-hmm. right? A laborer, and there's nothing wrong with being a laborer, but you sort of, you do your stuff and you go and do your stuff and you do your stuff and you do your stuff. And you occasionally will reflect and say, could I have done that better? I've done that. But it's usually processes that are given to you. A professional is somebody who says, who should always be thinking, man, I could have done that better. Man, I could have done that better. Man, I could have done that better. Um, and if we do that, with some structure, like like that saying, okay, the W5H is a great one. And that's a good one to say, okay. Um, and, and part of that, part of that of the who, not so much the why, and that's a great one, because the why is the intent, mm-hmm. right? Is what is, what do I hope to get out of this, yeah. right? What's the intention of me uh, confronting a student or interacting with a student? That's one thing. All the other things have a lot to do with the impact. And I speak a lot about intent versus impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think we talked about it in the fact yeah. that your intention for the podcast was one thing, and it maybe had a different impact than you wanted to mm-hmm. in certain ways. It's not always bad to have a different impact, but we all need to be aware of that impact, and for sure, the adults in the building need to be aware of their impact, right? More so than the students do, because we're here for you, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So um, it's important to say, okay, what is my impact? And that has a lot to do with those other questions, like you said. Who am I talking to? My impact is going to be different depending on who that student is because that student has a different history than someone else. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, students you know? aren't a monolith, which means you can't use formulas to address them with. Well, not here. This is the whole point of this place, yeah. right, is that everybody's an individual. And like I said, every there's there's a thousand different sets of deadlines and there's a thousand different realities. And, and the truth of the matter is there's probably 5,000 different personalities because you feel a different way at a certain point of the day or a certain part of the year. And, and so the more effort we put, take to that, the best. And the other truth of that is um, the, te- the person themselves is to say, not only who am I talking to, but who am I? Mm-hmm. Meaning what is my impact? What do I give off when I have this impact, right? And I, you know, and I talked about that is when I was a teacher here, I had to know that my physical realities uh, had, an, had a different impact than someone else, that had a different impact than Miss Arturi's physical realities, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and I always said, I'm, I know I'm kind of scary looking and stuff <laughs> like that. And so when I, was a, when I was a teacher here, you know, teaching grade nine English, the grade nine English kids were, were scared of me. And so I'd have, to, I'd have to do go way out of my way to be really welcoming because what, what was my intention? Why did I want, I wanted them to come see me because mm-hmm. I wanted them to be successful. And I was... At the beginning, I was like, why are the kids not coming to see me? And then, you know, a brave kid said, because you're scary. <laughs> they're scary. That's why they're not coming. So I was like, okay, I, then I have to reflect on that. But everybody should, right? Mm-hmm. The reality of who I am and who am I talking to is a really good question to ask. So that would be interesting to, to, to hash that process out, that W5H. So to have, like, it would be great if some students... Oh, came up who? with, uh, I just kicked people here. Um, <laughs> if, if you came up with some questions around that, like yeah. if you th- thought about those questions and, and we could, you know, put those to staff and that's a good tool. That's an excellent tool to think about. And there's a story I would like to say, which can maybe put some things into perspective. Um, so a student who no longer goes here, so we cannot find them. They no longer go here. <laughs> <laughs> 
they had taken a snack from the snack program cart, and they had taken two, one for themselves and one for their friend, because their friend was going to an area. We all know Mary Ward, their areas get filled up so quickly. Mm. So their friend was going to go to an area, and the student was going to take the snack. Oh, this was at the time when the snacks were still distributed around the school mm-hmm. snack program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they take two snacks, but a staff member almost goes, I know this is like a bit of a hyperbolic word, but like ballistic, just screams at them, berates them to the point where this student cried. Mm-hmm. And they took the student to the office and they called the student's parents over taking two snacks. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, is it ever that serious? I mean, would we really be so angry over two snacks? And they didn't even hear the student out. They never even got to explain themselves. They're taking to the office and having their parents called over something that could have been so easily hashed out over two or three words. Right. And in those situations, there's a lot of details there. And and Mm -hmm. obviously, and we talked about the idea of of telling the story of a friend of mine said this happened, right? I mean, that's hearsay to a certain extent, and, and, and it's hard to capture the emotions of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really great learning that happens in that, right? And so, um, and it could be that someone's, and again, this is intent versus impact. The intent might be, hey, these are for people who need it, and if someone's going to take five or six of these, or whatever, more than they're supposed to, whatever it is, uh, that means someone's not getting Right. Mm-hmm. And so my intention is, is I'm here for this reason to make sure that everybody gets one because we have enough for everybody to get one. That might be the intent mm-hmm. and it comes from a good place. But if the impact is different than that, then you got to measure it and you got to reflect on it. And you say, OK, well, I wanted this to occur. But did that what happened, actually? And that was an unintended and sometimes you're going to say, well, I didn't intend that, but it happened and there's nothing I can do about it. And I think that my, the, the reason for me doing it outweighed the impact. But I would think in that case, probably if someone was to given, be given the chance to sort of look and reflect back and go, okay, well, maybe I could probably could have handled that one differently for sure. Um, and who knows what the situation was at the time. And if that was you know, brought to me as the principal, I'd probably say, okay, let's all take a reflection and say, what could we have done differently in that? Um, and I've said this to students and to staff and or adults in many different, not just at schools, but you can only do stuff about yourself, right? You can't make someone else happy. You can't help somebody. You can help people, but you can't change them, right? You can do you. Mm-hmm. Now, the efforts that you do can have great impact on other people, but you can't wait for other people to change before you decide to change. So in a situation, if you don't like the way a situation ended, you need to look at that situation and go, okay, was there anything I could have done to make that situation different? I would say that in the case of a situation of an adult and a youth, in any situation, but particularly in a school, mm-hmm. there is a greater level of responsibility on the adult mm-hmm. to be able to, one, uh, proactively see something coming, and then two, to be very, very much more reflective about that, for sure. And sometimes I think maybe that is lost and sometimes the student is the one who's meant to sit and figure out and ask what could I have done differently or how did I react and maybe the adult isn't called on that in the same sort of way and if that's the situation then that's my fault I'm the one who has to be able to do that and so um, if that student was still here I would apologize to that student who was here 
and even without like even um, outside of a racialized sort of context I think we can all benefit from taking a step back taking a breath and analyzing what is before us before reacting well for sure for sure but that but the racialized context gives it another level yeah. mm -hmm. of something to consider right and you know, and you know, I think I and I, if, if you mind me digressing a bit and saying like, you know, a, a personal experience that I've had, and I think I talked about it with you guys was, you know, when I was a principal at Pope, uh, there was a number of times that I was called a racist, right? Absolutely, it was, it happened for sure. And there was one situation I don't know if I shared it with you was, right? It was during COVID, and um, uh, it was when we were, um, when was it? It was the end of it was the end of my seventh year, so it was the year before last. And usually the board would move principals at that time. Usually we get at, at most seven years. In fact, our contract says seven with an option for an eighth. So at the end of my seventh year, everybody kind of thought I was moving. And then because of COVID, they said, no one's, we're just going to leave everybody as much as possible. So I was online with my parent council, and I basically said, um, I know that we were kind of preparing for me to low, but because of the COVID, um, so I'm here. Sorry, guys, you can't get rid of me. Right, it was a, 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 I thought, you know, people laughed and whatever, right? Um, but the next day I got a call from my superintendent and he said, one of the parents said you, you made a insensitive comment to them at the meeting last night. And I was like, oh my God, what did I say? Because sometimes I say stuff and I'm just trying to be funny. Mm -hmm. And then I look back and I go, oh man, I was pretty stupid. I probably shouldn't have said that. And I don't even think about it. And then he said, you said you couldn't, they couldn't get rid of you. And I was like, what? And and, and, but, and I was like, oh, wait. And my initial reaction, and they said, this uh, person said that they thought you were talking to them specifically because of something that had happened pre previously. Mm -hmm. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what it was. And I had two ways in my mind how I could react. It was a really emotional time, right? COVID was cr mm -hmm. crazy. Everything was going on. Yeah. We were in isolation. Lots of stress is going on. I could have got real defensive about it and dismissed it. And maybe it initially I did as, well, that person's crazy. Like, what, what's going on? How could you possibly misinterpret that? And I'm not even going to bother. Or I could stop for a second and say, who? Who was it? Like, I didn't even know who they were talking about. And then they told me. And I couldn't for the life of me remember this situation that had happened before. And, but I said, okay. What must have gone on in, in, in something in their history of time has happened to them that they would have a, they must have a real problem with some form of authority that they thought I did something. So then I called this woman and I had a conversation. And I said, I'm sorry, did you think I was being serious about that, that you thought, well, you know, there, and there was a misunderstanding about an earlier meeting where she thought I had dismissed her, but it was because I was showing other parents around the school and I said, I'll be back. And so she said, oh, you didn't dismiss me then. I go, no, no, no. I came back to find you and you had gone. And then she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's not what I meant. And part of me could have been like, well, are you going to call the superintendent and tell them I'm not a racist or I'm not a this or I'm not an idiot? But, but and then as, as it turns out, when I did leave that, this, this parent made a great speech at the parent council for me and really sent me a really great letter thanking me for everything that I'd done. And... My point to that is, if I, my reaction to that had been defensive and negative, I never would have had the ability to make that right, right? And it was my responsibility to make it right. And so I think the idea of looking at it and saying, why, right? 
be curious about why would they think that? And maybe there was an experience that had nothing to do with me, that I can't relate to, that they got there. And so maybe I need to make some effort to make it right. Because I'm the only effort I can do. I can't control your effort. I can't control anybody else's. I can control mine. And that worked out real well uh, for me uh, and for her and for our relationship. And uh, that was a good example for me to say I could have gone the other way. And to be honest with you, probably earlier in my administrative career, if people accused me of something, I probably got real defense. I'm like, well, that's not me. But as I've thought about it more and as we've been, you know, talking about things like equity a lot more, it's a good lesson to have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where that who is so hugely important. And then also a little bit about the where. Like, it was virtual. It was, context is lost and those sorts of things. I always think about that with emails, you know, like, it's real hard to be sarcastic in an email. <laughs> yeah. like and I'm, off oh yeah, right? I text too, right? I'm super sarcastic. <laughs> and so sometimes that comes off really bad when you type it out. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, let me read this one out loud again. Okay, that doesn't sound good. I'm going to retype that <laughs> yeah. before I hit yeah. send, right? Um, and that's the reality of the, of the world now, right? Mm-hmm. Is there's so many of those different things you really have to think about, you know, like for instance, where? So those are great questions. Yeah. Now that I think about it, those are some really good questions. And another who is actually, who are you as the person talking to? Like, so that gives you more context. If you're talking to your, you know, your best chum, your best buddy, you could definitely give all your mean sarcasm. Mm -hmm. When you're talking to a parent on the parent council, you need to step back and be like, okay, it's time for me to be more professional. When you're talking to a student, you have to be professional, but you also have to be often empathetic, or you have to give something stern but not mean, right? So there's so many... um, Everything is intersectional, you know, there's so many layers, you know, things like this are like an onion, Mm -hmm. honestly. There's so, so many layers. Yeah, right. And the layers is those things about whether racialization or, 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 um, you know, the different, the different isms that exist and the different ways that people can be, I mean, talk about intersectionality and there's, there's so many different ways that somebody could have been, um, victimized or marginalized in the past. And then, you know, for instance, for me, I have to look at the fact that it says, literally, I've never been, right? Like I'm a cisgendered, heterosexual, male, able-bodied, middle-class, white. Like there's nothing, there's been nothing of this. So when I'm thinking of the who, when I'm thinking of like these answers, when I'm thinking of how do I respond to this podcast, I need to bring in people who have had those experiences, because there's no way I could possibly relate to that. I mean, how could I? And so if I was to decide, well, this is all on me, I'm the principal, I'm the one who's got this name on the door, I have to make, well, that's absurd. How am I possibly supposed to respond to that without taking in everybody's considerations and sort of thinking about what are the different layers that I can't even see, right? Like I've, and, and, you know, I started like a committee when I was at uh, St. John Paul II called Minesweepers. And the whole idea was, you know, like a mine, Minesweepers are the people who would go through, my, like uh, in World War II, they would go through and find out where there's landmines and stuff and be able to figure out. And I said, I've never had a landmine in my life. My, my, my world has been one big, clear, open field. Yeah. Right? So how am I supposed to be the one to figure out where those are? I need help from people who've said, yeah, I've had to step through this one and watch your step there. And I'm like, I can just wander through and not worry about it. So to not listen to the voices of people who've, who have to navigate those landmines all the time, that's really dangerous and uh, you're not gonna accomplish much. So 
But then thinking about that when you're thinking about who, who am I talking to is, what landmines has this person had to navigate? And am I one of those landmines? Is the other part. And that was probably what this parent was. I think had some problems. I think it had a problem with a principal or some sort of authority figure in the past. And so got real defensive about a comment that I thought was innocuous and simple. Um, and so you got to consider that when thinking about them, for sure. And a lot of uh, people definitely think that privilege is a bad thing or when they're accused of having privilege it's an insult but you know privilege isn't a bunch of perks you know people see these things every privilege isn't a bunch of perks it's just like the absence of a marginalization or the absence of an oppression or something of that sort right so even if someone is uh perhaps part of the lgbtq community or they are bipoc they also have other privileges that we all need to acknowledge, like being able-bodied or being cisgendered or being heterosexual. These are all things that we need to acknowledge because not everyone is the same, mm-hmm. right? Privilege is okay. It's okay to have privilege, guys. Remember, it's okay to have privilege. Mm-hmm. Just acknowledge that and talk to the people around you so you can go about it differently. Yeah, and I think privilege is also something that you can't abdicate. I mean, you can't give it back, right? Yeah. I can't refund my privilege. <laughs> Uh, right? And there's, like you said, there's nothing wrong with it unless you use it to, mm-hmm. like, in a negative way mm-hmm. or you don't use it in a positive way. Right? So, like I've always said, for real change to happen, people who look like me have to think like people who look like you. Mm-hmm. Right? I have to be, like, because that's just the truth of the matter is the power structure still stands in people who look like me. Right? So, for real change to happen, that I have, we ha- I have to change. So the people who have the privilege have to use it, um, um, for lack of a better word, have to use it to give it away a little bit. They have to use it to spread it around. But you can't, you can't, you can't say, I'm not using my, my for instance, white privilege. Mm-hmm. It, it is what it is what it is, yeah. right? Um, you know, the perfect example is, you know, I don't have to talk to my boys. I don't have to have conversations with them that other dads do with their boys. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I don't have to explain, you know, when you get stopped by the police, don't do this, don't do this. It, you know, my conversation to them is if you get stopped by the police, you did something wrong. Right. Like you're you must have done something wrong if you got stopped by the police. That's not the conversation that everybody has. Um, and even within my own family, I have different conversations with my daughter than I have to have with my boys. Mm-hmm. And is that right? Uh, well, right or wrong. But. They can't give up the fact that as as when they become men in society, they don't have to worry about the same things that a woman has to. Mm-hmm. And so you can't give that privilege away, but you better use it uh, for the, for the right reasons. Um, and so you're right, privilege is nest- is is just a reality, but depends what you do with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And prior to kind of circling back now, mm-hmm. prior to the release of the first podcast episode that we did on this topic. Were you ever kind of aware of sort of the things that we were talking about, like the way in which some of the staff reacts to certain situations? Had you ever witnessed that, or was that something that came to light with the episode? Well, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, there's... uh, I'd had limited experience here. I've only been here for a year. It was COVID-y. So, like, there was... (laughs) I mean, you know... (laughs) That's a new adjective, COVID-y. COVID-y, you know... Um, but like the eight years previous of Pope, for sure. Like there was always things and, you know, you have to have corrective conversations sometimes with people. Um, and a lot of times in, in ways that were, people weren't even aware of. Right. And I, I talked about, we had at, at JP2, we had a, a really good, 
uh, in-service from PFLAG. So it's basically an advocacy group for, uh, for LGBTQ community. But also, in, in this case, it was about uh, students transitioning. And that was early in that time where there was, we had a student there who was transitioning, and so we were, we were getting some feedback from that. And this was a corrective exercise for some, but one of the phys ed teachers started crying in the middle of the meeting, and I was, what happened? She goes, I can't believe what I've done to students for 25 years. Because I separated, I, all my activities were girls here and boys here. And I can't believe I've done this to, uh, how many kids have I done this to in 25 years? How many kids did I marginalize without even knowing it? And so that corrective behavior, that corrective uh, exercise was painful for her. But she was so thankful for it at the end. And so, and it doesn't, it didn't come from, her actions didn't come from a bad place, right? It didn't come from, I want to marginalize somebody. Uh, and that's usually the case, especially in education, because I don't think anybody gets into school to say, I really want to screw over kids. Like, why would you do this job? It's not for the money. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that's, that's why you have to be open to those conversations and, and not get, there's a certain level you want to take it personally. Like, you have to take it personally, meaning I have to take this thing and I have to apply it to myself. But try to resist the idea of being insulted by it. Yeah, and that's something that I kind of witnessed immediately after we put that out on Words from Ward. I was in a department. I'm not going to mention specific departments this time. Mm. But I was, in, I was in an area of the school, and one of the teachers, they were talking about what they gained from the episode was that they thought we were accusing teachers of being overtly racist mm -hmm. um, and felt as though they couldn't do or say anything without being accused of such. Mm -hmm. And to that, I can kind of only respond that the claims we were making were mostly anecdotal, mm -hmm. uh, based purely off of our own experiences. Mm -hmm. And so what we kind of aimed to do was to move forward mm -hmm. instead of accuse people of certain things, which right. wasn't what... Yeah. It must also, be intentional. As a staff member, exactly. As a staff member, if you think, oh my goodness, everything being said is being used to, uh, to you know, accuse me, as, accuse me as, as a racist, what are you saying? You know, why would, why would you think that people are accusing you of being racist if you haven't said anything in that matter? Of course, sometimes there are situations that are definitely uh, pulled out of context, but it's like every single thing you say either we're taking things a bit too personally or we need to think about what we are saying, mm -hmm. right? And also to reduce that whole, what, 40, 50-minute episode to, oh, I'm being accused as a racist. That's a little bit hurtful, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, people are going to, you know, like, there's, a, there's I think and you're talking about this initial reaction, right? And yeah. like, people have a visceral reaction. Yes. And here's the other part to that, that I, that, it's interesting, I'm, I'm like the only educator in my family. Uh, my wife's an educator too, mm -hmm. but as far as my family, my side of the family, I'm the only one. They're all private sector. Um, make a lot more money than I do, but <laughs> they're all private sector. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, and, 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 and leaders, like my dad was a, a manager, a leader, right, and with IBM forever, and he had this slow, when I became a leader, he was like, I asked him, I go, what's your leadership uh, mantra? And he told me, he goes, uh, the key is to make sure everyone hates you equally. And I was like, that's a terrible, what are you talking about? And I was like, dad, you're supposed to be my hero. And all of a sudden that was terrible. What are you <laughs> doing? Great, and he was like, well, yeah, he goes, they don't have to like you. Like, but if one person likes you and one person hates you, then you've made a mistake. And I'm like, that's not going to work for me. It worked for him because he had money, right? <laughs> 
Well, but the truth is, no, no, really, they made more, if they were doing what he said, they made more money. Mm -hmm. And so they could make more money if they did what he said. So he goes, I don't care if you like me or not, as long as you make more money. That was the only purpose of a business. That's not here, right? And the other difference to that is what I always said, is it's really hard for people in schools to not take things personally because very few other places in, in the work world, especially now, does someone do the same job, relatively speaking, maybe in the same building, maybe in the same room for 30 years. So you're going to take that personally, right? Because you've, mm -hmm. you've invested a huge portion of your life in a place and a thing. And then the other part to that is we don't make product. We don't have this uh, inanimate thing that is our product. Our product is people, is you. And so you, how do you not take that personally, mm -hmm. right? You have a personal investment in this. And then you add to that layer here, there's a real different personal investment here with TA and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I felt it when I was a TA, I always said, I, I, was, I had to be there everything. That was my point. And I died a little when they failed. And I failed when they failed. And, and that's, a, that's a heavy thing to carry, right? And so when that gets attacked, no, I'm not saying you did, but the perception is, when that gets attacked, mm -hmm. you get personal real quick, right? And then and your back gets up real fast. And so my hope is that's the initial reaction. And then you get to, okay, let's talk it out. Let's reflect. Let's move forward. And now let's take it personally, meaning I'm going to take it and apply it to myself. And let's do something with it. And my hope is that's kind of where we want to be now, mm -hmm. right? So I think the timing was good. It was near the end. And now we can build something for this year. Yeah. And yeah, you guys are still here. That's good yeah. too. Yeah. And there were talks of um, an equity committee, mm -hmm. student-led equity committee with, I believe, am I allowed to say names? I don't know. But there were teachers. There were teachers. Yeah, there's teachers who are, are interested in that and, 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 and those sorts of things. And some of the people who went on that walk, like Ms. Bailey, who's the head of equity uh, coordination at the board, and she was a former teacher here. Um, and then there's another person on the equity committee is, is Ms. Santiago, who was a student here. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who could come in and help with that as well and who I'm going to reach out to to sort of see where we want to go with it. But a certain amount of that can just be you guys, right, is to say, hey, we'd want, we want to. And like I said to you then, I said, I would love to hear that feedback. So, for instance, one of those, those W5H, those questions, I would love to have that. I would put that into a, a thing that I send the staff every like a website that I create that I send to the staff every week, I could put that in there and say, here's this question, think about this. Just every week, one thing that they could help. And that feedback comes directly from you guys, mm -hmm. for sure, 100%. And we hope students are aware that there are things happening behind the scenes, you know. When this all started out, we had no idea that there was anything uh, in the works of, you know, an equity community, especially because things were covid -y. But mm -hmm. we had no idea that that existed, you know. And so that's partially another reason why students felt like they could never come out or they could never say anything that made a difference. You know, you just kind of talk about it with your friends, but it never really goes anywhere. Students should be aware that we are working. And if you want to come talk to us about maybe joining the equity student equity community, mm -hmm. you know, our ears and our arms are open for anyone yeah. of any age. Yeah. And you know, you need a staff moderator, but I'm yeah. fine with being the staff moderator if you want. I see that. Mr. Wetzel wants to be our staff moderator. Yeah. How That's awesome fun. is that? <laughs> yeah. I don't usually do that, but I, I would do that for sure, right? But like you said, it's important that people know that things are happening behind the scenes. I think it's important that things don't happen behind the scenes. Like, we got to put this That's in the true. front yeah, of things, right? True. Some it's stuff is going to happen behind the scenes anyway, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But more things should happen 
in the scenes. I don't even know what the word is. <laughs> not in front of the scenes, but in the scene, right? Yeah, it should be yeah. the thing. So, you know, to that end, I already talked to, I just had a conversation with Pia for student council and about um, uh, town hall. And we should have town halls again. To, I think there's some feedback that uh, we need to get in regards to SDL and how it's working out and like unit, how like mm -hmm. things too much work and because, you know, whatever. I mean, people are rewriting courses all of a sudden yeah. back to Mary Ward after having not done it for like almost three years. So they need to get feedback about how are these things working out. And I don't want to have feedback in May when it's <laughs> yeah. too late, right? You know, like let's have some October feedback mm -hmm. so that it informs May. But to that end, to about all these other things as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for sure. So now you got to set up a meeting, and then I got to be at it. So there you go. For sure. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and to kind of conclude. Sure. We wanted to say, kind of the overarching message here: racism and bias will exist everywhere, but what is important is to not remain complicit in that racism and bias, but to address it because it is 100% worth mentioning mm -hmm. and confronting and addressing. Right. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, well, you you recorded it, so it's, like, it's, it's there forever. So we're good. Yeah. Well. Yeah, no, it is, for sure. And it's the only thing that, I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Like, if you're not doing that, what, what are you doing? doing right? Exactly. You know, it's yeah. 2022. Hmm? So it's 2022. That's what people always say. You yeah. know, we got to move forward into new year. Um, no more myth of progress. We need actual yes. progress. Yes. You know, progress. Well, as we're time. We're learning about that in grade 11 English oh, right yeah. now. Oh, Shout cool. out to Miss Van Ryan. and Chelsea yeah. Vowell. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the myth of progress is that right. as time moves forward, things get better. Yeah. And in that context, it has to do with Indigenous peoples and their oppression uh, here in Canada due to the government and all those things. Right. You know. But no more with the progress. As time continues to move forward, people need to continue to move forward, institutions need to continue to move forward, and things need to continue to get better because what else would we be doing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, what's the point of it all? Like, exactly. If it's not to make things better, I don't know why you're doing it. Maybe exactly. leave. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Final statements, Mr. Witzel? I just want to thank you guys for, one, having the courage as grade 10s last year to say something. Uh, and not be just grade 12s and saying, see you later, like, you know, like I'll burn this bridge and see you later. Like, like it says a lot, because you knew you are coming back, and that's great and to, 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 uh, to say it, to then, you know, when I came up to you guys in the hallway and said, hey, can we have a chat? You're like, the next day you came. And we chatted for like an hour and a half, and it was yeah. like, yeah, we're ready to, yeah, we're ready to talk about it. And it wasn't, and it wasn't uh, apologetic, uh, or you're the principal, are we in trouble? It was, oh, we got some stuff to say, some more stuff to say, mm -hmm. and we want to hear about it. So thank you for that. And then thank you for all the work you're going to do uh, on this new committee that you've just started and committed to online. And it's recorded forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for hearing us and uh, acknowledging uh, faculty diversity take one. Yeah. Um, it's been quite... The experience, definitely. Even having the opportunity to talk to a higher up about such a thing, that we thought would only stay within the four walls that are that podcast. Don't go higher up. Don't do that. Oh. Don't call me higher up. That's not what it is, right? It isn't. And then people always say this. Always oh, like the most special guest, the most important. <laughs> Said it before. <laughs> I, the least important person in the building is me. The most important person in the building is you guys. One hundred percent. This is the only reason we're here. 
The only reason any of us have a job is for you guys. So we got to flip that around, right? It's flip not the narrative. Flip the narrative. Flip the narrative. There Another reference to grade 11 English. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. You go. So thank you so much for tuning in on episode one, season two of Words from Ward. And we would like to once again thank our very unimportant guest. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you guys (laughs) later. Who knows when? But bye, Wolverines!